ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rewind Wrestling Radio right here on the Rewind Wrestling Network where I, your host Ted Weston, along with my crew, OG Will, the New Mouth of the South, Tyler Peters, Rep Amy Veronica, the Temptress Witch Ivy, the Executive Nelio Cuomo Costa, the Presenter of the Key, Kevin Key, and the Cuz, Cousin Mike, bring you the best content in wrestling podcasting. It's the indies, it's the pros, it's anywhere you go. Let's jump right in to Rewind Wrestling Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rewind Wrestling Radio right here on the Rewind Wrestling Network. I'm your host, Ted Weston. I am joined by the cuz, Cousin Mike, and the new math of the South, Mr. Tyler Peters. Uh, we are uh, we are very excited to be here and, and presenting another episode of the Rewind Wrestling Radio show for you guys. Um, quick shout out to, uh, to Key and to Ivy, who both have heavy family stuff happening right now. We're thinking of you. We love you. We're praying for you. Um, you know, we are, uh, we are here for you when you need us. So take care of yourselves and, and we can't wait to have you back when, when, uh, when you're feeling up to it. Um, we are, uh, we're going to be talking the upcoming big pay-per-views for AEW and WWE tonight, um, and kind of our hopes and dreams for them as it were. Uh, but before we get there, remember to like us across all the social media platforms at W-R-E-W-I-N-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Remember to go like, comment, share, subscribe. Make sure you hit that comment button and share the content, share the content, share the content. All right, my friends, we are uh, we are going to jump right in here and we are going to talk all about AEW Revolution. We're on the road to revolution right now. Uh, you know, and people were like, oh, last week's episode was called The Road to WrestleMania. Well, yeah, it was because we did it was the first time we filmed since the Royal Rumble. So okay. Uh so let's uh let's jump in here. We're gonna talk about the road to revolution and um and everything that's happening on that pay-per-view right now. So I'm gonna give you a quick rundown of the card, uh gentlemen. Right now, we've got MJF versus Brian Danielson in an Iron Man match. For the AEW Championship, we've got Mox versus Hangman Page in a Texas Death Match. We've got Joe versus Wardlow for the TNT Championship. We've got Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's Championship. We've got the Guns versus the Acclaimed versus two more tag teams um, as yet to be determined. Although, uh, were they determined last night on on Dynamite? Tyler, you watched- I think I think Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal took one of the spots. There's still there's one left, I think. There's still one spot left. Okay. Yeah, they, got- they won that uh battle royal or however you call it with all okay. the tag teams. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. And then um and then you've got Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. Um and listen, as far as the card goes for this pay-per-view, I I actually really like this card. This card has the potential to be a freaking great show. Um, really, really good show. It has some opportunities to be the end of some really good stories. Um, you know, the MJF Brian Danielson story has been building, building, building. I think an Iron Man match is a great payoff for that. Uh, Moxley and Page has been building, building, building. It's I think a Texas death match is a great payoff for that. Uh, Joe and Wardlow, I kind of feel like eh, we've done this a couple of times at this point. Um, but Hater and Soraya and Soho, like, take my money, right? Um, I'm <laughs> right. here for it. So, so I, I might actually buy this AEW pay per view. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I might actually do it. Uh, this this pay per view is stacked, and and I think there's a lot of potential there. 
Um, I want to hear what some of your thoughts are for the pay-per-view, what some of your hopes are about it. I don't want to go necessarily match for match and talk about every match here, but um, just give me your thoughts on on what we've seen in terms of the build so far and what you're kind of hoping we get from this pay-per-view. Uh, I'm going to start with Tyler P on this one. Tyler, what do you got, brother? Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, MJF, Brian Danielson. I love the build, and after last night, they they – helped suspend our disbelief again that that whole segment the promo exchange mm. you know having people uh, pull them apart with security i like how mjf knows how to get make it personal and he crosses that line he blurs the line so well and so i'm looking forward I, i'm with you ted and mike with the iron man match and i'm just hoping mjf retains because i think he's the guy that that's carrying the company right now i, th- I think mm. he is that star at which we could foresee you know when they their infancy of all elite wrestling so I just enjoy, you know, Brian Danielson seeing more of the American Dragon. I, I think they're going to tear the house down. Moxley and Hangman Page will be exciting. I'm, I'm not big on the, the bleeding every match, but there'll they'll definitely be blood. So it'll still be entertaining. Uh, as far as the women's match, I'm actually very excited about the women's division in AEW, which has been hit or miss. You know, uh, Soraya's been fine. To me, Hater's got to retain. I think she's deserving she needs to carry that women's division ruby soho i'm glad for her opportunity but i don't think she needs to walk away champion and i wouldn't mind seeing uh, jeff jared and jay lethal this is probably unpopular to people I, i'm a mark for double j I, i'd like to see those guys actually you know win that match so I, i'm probably leaving out a well i take it back i am leaving out because chris jericho i'd like to see ricky starks win i, I think jericho is not going to hurt him because i'd like to see a younger talent like starks go over and also, Warlow, uh, Samoa Joe will be interesting. I, I kind of want to see Joe retain. I, you know, as much as I like Warlow, I, I like Samoa Joe that much more just because the experience I've been exposed to him more. So that's my quick rundowns. I'm hopeful. I, I'm like you guys. I'm actually excited for this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Carlos, what are your thoughts, man? It's amazing how much some of the guys that are on this card have fallen into like the same spots that like the grizzled vets of like yesteryear have fallen into. And it's just, there's so much parody to like old school WCW, especially near the end in like the two thousands. Cause like, I feel like, you know, Moxley's in that weird Kevin Nash spot where like he could be at the top of the card or he could be doing whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Danielson reminds me of Bret Hart Mm. where like it was a big deal going in, but so far it hasn't paid off yet. Not saying that he's done anything or he's been booked in a bad way or anything like that. Um, I just don't think it's his time yet Mm. though. um, Eventually I feel like reality is going to hit and they're really going to have to start throwing back behind guys with that game numbers. And right now on the card, um, I just, I really don't see it. And I hate that we use like Nielsen ratings for like these shows, because like, I feel like, I feel like the actual ratings for these shows is probably about double what they could be because Mm -hmm. of, you know, Nielsen homes and everything like that. But uh, I, I just, it just seems so unorganized. I will I, agree with that. 
Yeah. And that's like a common thread. And like, I don't care if there's a payoff between Brian Danielson and, and MJF. Like, like that match doesn't matter to me. Like, there's mm-hmm. no like, like I can't wait for the next part. Um, Wardlow had his shot as a pillar, and I think they messed it up. And they're trying to get back that feeling that they had. Mm-hmm. And I think they. Uh, the overarching booking kind of ruined that. Yeah. He doesn't feel yeah. special anymore. Well, you know what? I, I If you don't mind, I'm going to jump in on that point because um, I think that Wardlow very much so reminds me of Ziggler when he was really over. Even though he was he had a lot of heat, he was really over when he was with Vicky Guerrero and he won that world championship, but he was just too green to know what to do with it. And yeah. then they tried to reproduce that with him time and time again. And it just was never natural enough to, to gain any steam with the crowd again. I feel like that's exactly where Wardlow is. He's in that Ziggler, you know, we pushed it too fast, too early, and he wasn't quite where he needed to be to get there. Does that make like, sense? Like, I feel yeah, like he should be, he should be the guy in Danielson's spot. He should be the guy that keeps constantly getting screwed and keeps trying to find his way into the world title picture, but keeps getting screwed over. Mm. That's where I think he belongs right now. But Well, I, I think that he will get there, but I think that that's like the ultimate payoff with MJF. True. What, um, with the history there. The other thing, too, is like, There's so much, like, dirt sheets are ruining everything right now, especially mm. when it comes to, like, buying in the stuff and, be, like, believability. Like, it, it's just, it's such a shame because, like, there's moves that are going on right now that uh, if they actually come to fruition, I feel like it's going to, like, rip the guts out of AEW. Well, I mean... There's potential for that. I think I know what you're talking about. I think you're talking about Kenny Omega. Um, but, but, um, and we can certainly talk about that. We can get there tonight. That's, that's not a problem. I have no problem discussing that topic. Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, I feel I, like I, I'll give you a better example. I don't mean to cut you off, but mm-hmm. this is the seat that I'm in. I don't regularly watch AEW. I do keep up on, you know, the finishes of their bouts and everything like that through Wrestling Inc. And at a glance, it's too organized for me, like too unorganized for me to keep up at this point. Yeah, I mean, and and the dirt sheets don't help with it. So Roku, you Tyler Peters. I know, that's what I was about to say. Freaking you know, dirt, dirt sheet sheets. Fighters, they're, they're, they're not good for this business. How dare they? You know, Roku, you. I, right? I know in the, wor- in the words of Kevin Key. I know Kevin Key, we, we missed you, man. See, that, that was your spot. Ted did you justice, though. He, he Goldberg, Goldberg is more entertaining than the dirt sheets. Hey, I, 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 I would agree. Hey, you know, Goldberg um, can be more entertaining. I still gotta make him that t-shirt. Yes, you do. <laughs> um so l- listen, I have I have some thoughts here. Um I I do think that it's unorganized. I think that um, the chaos style of booking a wrestling show has merit, 
but it can't be your only style of booking a wrestling show. And AEW's concept to start, like what they sold the wrestling community on was that they were going to be more sports-like, right? And so the matches were going to be matches for matches sake, right? And they were like, we're not going to hire writers. Bullshit. And a whole bunch of us in the, in the IWC said, this is bullshit. And then it happened. (laughs) Right. Um, But, but at the end of the day, um, I do think that there is something to what they're doing. Um, I think that they, they've started to hit their stride of knowing how to pull their, their fan base in continuously which they weren't doing previously with anything other than spot fest spot fest spot fest if you notice in the last six to eight months they still have a lot of spots on their shows but it's been tamed down dramatically dramatically thankfully yeah because they finally learned from their mistakes so so they had to do something different and there's something they did different was in order to keep the fans on the edge of their seats, they've been booking the way they've been booking, which has been a lot less of a, this person has the right to be the number one contender because of their wins and loss record. And more of this is going to keep people's asses in the seats to watch the show. Um, and so that's, you know, I, and, and I think that there's merit to that too. I mean, that's how wrestling shows are done. Right. Yeah. Um, so listen, I, I, I am excited for for Danielson and MJF. If for no other reason, it will put MJF over to the moon when he finds a cheap-ass way to win the match. Like, he is the best heel in wrestling right now. There is no better heel in wrestling right now. Roman is not better than MJF as a heel. As an all-around entertainer, yeah, Roman Reigns has got it because he's drawn people into his story over the course of the last 900 days. But MJF is the better heel for heel's sake. Okay? He is that yeah. old school heel. He's got that I I piss everybody off on purpose mentality. And and Roman has kind of bounced back and forth as almost like a tweener because he's so popular in his gimmick that he didn't push people and rub people the wrong way. He just won matches in crappy ways. And now he's starting to go full heel again, right? Um, Moxley Hangman Page, I, I think it'll be entertaining. I think it'll be a good payoff. I don't know if I'm going to love it. But I want to know if I'm going to love it. And I want to see it to see if I'm going to love it, if that makes sense, right? Um, where I'm really impressed with with AEW right now is actually in the tag in the women's division and, you know, take my temperature, stick a fork in me. I'm done. We never thought we'd hear Ted Weston saying the women's division in AEW is fire right now, but they, they were smart. They brought in page and it was smart because even if she is a, a shadow of whimsy of her former self, she is exciting to see in the ring because we're seeing her in the ring if for no other reason even if she's sloppy as hell we're seeing it and that is what is important there and it's gonna put over jamie hater and what they did was really smart here they booked this match as a triple threat and they put a workhorse like ruby soho in there who can make a broomstick look good 
as long as she doesn't have to talk into a microphone. Let Paige do the talking. Let Jamie Hayter be the looks. Let Ruby Soho be the workhorse in the ring. And all of a sudden, you're going to see a product that you're happy with in the overall match as long as it gels. And that's what I'm super excited to see is did they finally find a way to book these women in a way that is going to draw us in as wrestling fans? I think so. And I think they've proven that they can build women with, you know, you know, we have a TNT champion that's been, or I'm sorry, a, a TBS champion that's undefeated and has a Goldberg like streak going. Key brought that up uh, on the last episode. Um, and then we've got Jamie Hayter who they've kind of, grown up from nothing as well so i feel like this is a great way to elevate jamie Hayter to that next level so that when she and Britt baker do have their falling out we all want to see it and we will pay money to see it because we will because we know Britt baker can carry that and we know jamie jamie Hayter can carry that and so when you have two people that you know are good workers and can entertain you you want to know the end result um and the second part of, of where I'm really happy with AEW right now is the tag division. I mean, AEW's tag division has always been fire, right? Um, you know, sure. they, they, they've always had great tag matches. But the fact that the, you know, the, they're throwing Jay Lethal and Double J in there as the veteran team to help keep the guns and the acclaimed over. Those are two, again, homegrown teams that entertain the shit out of us, right? And so I feel like, that is where AEW is succeeding right now is that they are starting to get their talent as the, the talent. Right. Um, you know, and I think Ricky Starks, uh, is not homegrown because he, he had that NWO or NWO. Yeah. NWA build before he came over, but I'm super excited to see Chris Jericho really bring the best out of him because he will. Jericho brings the best out of almost everybody in the ring. Even if Jericho, again, is a is a whimsy of his former self, he can bring the best out of anybody in the ring because he just knows it so damn well. So that that's why I'm so excited for this card. And uh, and that's those are my hopes for what I you know I want to see this young talent go over a lot. Like Tyler said, uh, I'm not really interested in Wardlow and Samoa Joe. Uh, it's the one card on the match that'll be my pee break. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh... I did watch a little clip of like the whole like Soraya, Ader, and uh, Suho, like Soho scrum. And somebody's got to step up in that match. I don't know who it's going to be. I think it's going to be Hader. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be Jamie Hader. Because I, I could see why, uh, I could see why Soho didn't really last too long with WWE but not yeah. in like a negative like she was awful kind of way but like I could see like especially in the direction that WWE was going with their uh their women's wrestling that she wasn't gonna really factor into the plans much she, but she is somebody who worked with the top company in the industry <laughs> she can have insights and everything like that so it is a good spot for her yeah, I'm happy for. I mean, it is, like I said, a good position. And, hey, I was also going to say I, I agree with you guys that AEW is creative. It's, they can position them correctly. It's just where do they go from that point? And uh, yeah. I, I think that's a great observation you guys bring up. That's, and, hey, the acclaim does make the tag team division exciting. 
And that's where they're making like the same mistakes that WCW did, where they had their current guys established and ready to go, but they don't have the wash churning. You know what I mean? Like there's no load of laundry after these guys are done in the dryer. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like, I feel like, um, they're hoping that Adam Cole will help fill that void a little bit because now they're like putting him on TV and talking about who's going to face next. And, uh, but I don't know, man, I just, I feel like Adam Cole's luster has been lost a little bit. Um, you know, well, he's, he's someone that, what's that? You're going to get, you're going to get as much Adam Cole as your hearts can desire because they're giving him a reality show. Well, that's fine. I don't really mind that, but, Adam Cole, he's a guy that when he walked into AEW, he should have walked into AEW and won the AEW championship within two weeks. He should have been there and been the guy because then he could have put over everybody. He could have put over everybody and it wouldn't have mattered. But instead, he didn't get his due when he was hot in the company. And now it's like, eh, okay, Adam Cole's back. I mean, we're all excited that he's back. I'm glad that he's not, you know, that he's not out for the rest of his life. And I'm glad, you know what I mean? But it's it's just one of those moments, I feel like. Yeah, it's a missed um, opportunity. I now, really wish that he had his original ROH theme. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> me too. Um, let's let's uh split the stone here and let's let's talk about what's uh what's on the brink for us with WrestleMania as well. Here we don't have a whole lot confirmed for WrestleMania yet. But what we do have is we have the women's division having been shored up, right? Uh, Post-elimination chamber. We know we've got Evil Asuka versus Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. We've got Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, If you ask me, we've got two banger matches waiting for us in the women's division at WrestleMania. And we deserve the spot that she's in. Yeah. She very much so did because she's been one of the top workers the entire year. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed to re getting the uh, the big win in the uh, Rumble and everything like that because it helps her ascend as a draw and as a character because that was the whole entire point of her going in the Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like maybe it should have happened like the year before, but. They also had Bianca at the same time. Right. Um, I like that Rhea is probably going to get her win back from Charlotte. On the same stage. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on, I'm okay with Asuka versus Belair, but like, Who do you think right now, besides Asuka, Belair, Charlotte, and Ripley, as like the complete package? Uh, Raquel Rodriguez is one one that comes to mind. Uh, I think she's got the in-ring and she's got the the – crowd starting to to kind of push her off the ground a little bit but i don't think she has the mic skills yet yeah, yeah that's true say, she doesn't have the presentation she kind of reminds me of um what's her name the one that's doing the cobra clutch 
Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans. Yeah. She's like she reminds me of Lacey Evans, but like they're both missing that one piece. Like if you put them together, perfect. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. Although, so, I don't know. I feel like Lacey Evans is a pretty complete performer. She's she's got the look when she is given the opportunity to piss the crowd off. She's a good heel and she pisses the crowd off. She does a yeah. really good job of it. Um but the problem is what's that she gets boo-boo face well she's supposed to no as in like i'm gonna lose boo-boo face uh well i mean she'll grow out of that she'll grow out of that um she didn't necessarily have that during her first run with the women's right and all that nonsense but um i think that her she's been so start stop start stop 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 that it's it's hard to feel exactly spot um I think obviously you've got you've got Becky Lynch. Um she's the complete package. Um I think that uh you could certainly look to NXT and um and see a couple of kids down there that could get called up and start the process and within six months have the complete package. Um, I don't think, I don't think that there's a whole lot of options as people that could be the person in the women's division yeah, like, spot. Like, you know, I'm a fan of Dewdrop. Yeah. But I'm a more fan of her. Although she's not Dewdrop anymore. She's Piper Niven again. Yeah, she's Piper Niven. Forgive me, IWC. Um, you are forever dead to the iwc cousin mike yeah you get in trouble Roku, you <laughs> now you get to turn but uh if there was anybody that could do like a really good like female vader just like be like a giant monster that has the actual yeah. ability i really think they're missing out on that with her yeah Especially yeah just just have her be a complete an utter monster. Yeah. Because, like, she's got all the ability that they wish that Nia Jax had. Which, was that a one-shot, by the way? I think oh, so. It must God, have been. I hope so. God, I hope so. Dude, the crowd reaction. Oh, my God. You, you talk oh. about getting heat. I mean, it was legit. <laughs> when she came, it she was, yeah, but it wasn't that. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't good booking heat it was go away oh i know it was it was spontaneous combustion <laughs> oh man crazy crazy um so yeah i i see your point to that because where the uh you know there's not a whole lot of options out there for the i women feel like there's right so now. many talents on the card that are just missing that one key thing and one of the things that's glaringly obvious to me is maybe instead of having Molly Holly and her group book some of these matches, let some of the boys get in there. Oh, I think that, I think that they do let the, let the guys get in there and do some of the booking for them as well. You know, who really could have all the stuff. Um, if they, if they just push her just a little differently, is Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville can really go, She's got the look. She has the ability to be that great heel. And she can um, cut a promo, too. 
and she can cut a really good promo. She she could be there if they would give her the opportunity. But I feel like she's gonna get shit on a lot, you know, a la my my poor New Jersey princess. I'm so so sorry. I'm so so sorry. I'm so so sorry. But you know, she's gonna get shit on by the IWC just because she's not Charlotte Flair level. She's not Becky Lynch level. But Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair weren't Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair level until I they think went she out tried. there. I just, you know, I just think that, uh, and it's a, it's an awkward thing to say about a woman, but like. Her and Becky Lynch both, I feel like, could put a little bit of meat on their bones. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I understand where you're coming from with it because it would make them feel a little bit more intimidating in in, in the role that they're or in. At least, at least, like, especially, like, her style and everything like that. She's got a very heel style. So, like... It's hard when you don't have a lot of mass to look like you're hurting somebody when you're hitting them. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. As a martial artist, I understand that because, you know, the more mass we have, the the easier it is to make an impact with something. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like they're I, I certainly don't think that their look is bad. I think that they're they they look exactly the way they want to look. Um, I just think that I think that we're we're so used to the idea, us in our age group. We're so used to the idea of wrestlers being intimidating looking. And the ones right. that weren't intimidating looking weren't as successful. Um, they, they, the people that weren't intimidating looking were the exception if they were successful, not the rule, a la Rey Mysterio, right? Um, and I, I feel like there's there's some programming in us there for that, for sure. Also, if the boys can have their tattoos out, let her have her tattoos out. I think it would be another like interesting thing to throw to her character. Because mm. she's got sleeves going up both arms. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. She's got them both. Who are we talking about? DeVille? Is that who you're? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's why that. she wears the armband. I didn't realize it either. That, that's why I was thinking of who. Huh. I knew we It'd were talking a- about her, but be a very interesting look you know yeah well i'll have to look into that um well i'll tell you what there's there's obviously one other match on the card that we um that we know about for sure and that's that cody Rhodes will be challenging for the universal wwe undisputed universal championship right um we know he's challenging for it but given the finish from elimination chamber do we think that this is going to stay on one-on-one? When we talked last week, I gave my thoughts about how I believed that this could turn into a, a triple threat. Um, Key, it's funny, Key texted me. He said, they made me want it to be a fatal four-way now with KO in it as well. Um, obviously, that would throw off the potential for KO and Sammy to win the tag team championships the night before. I don't think you can double book both of them. I think you can really only afford to double book one of them. Um, so, hear me out. Let them win the tag titles. And then the next night, let Sami Zayn be the guest referee. Hmm. Hmm. But does, um, I don't know if that's... 
I feel like if you involve him in that match and he's not in the match, it belittles his whole build. Because they've built him uh, as a worker again. And if you put him as the ref, it takes him out of the worker spot on the grandest stage. And it's hard to undo that. Well, here's the thing. Owens and Zane are going to do whatever they're told to do. They don't care about ratings. They don't care about any of that stuff. So, whereas us will think it's a big deal or whatever, it's no sweat off their back. They are two of the most, like, unselfish people in the industry. Hmm. That's why I feel like it's a fair shot that they'll probably go off them for the tag. And the only reason why I think they'll go with them for the tag is because the only other people that I could see that would be like a good spot to take it off of. And I say this because they're the only other people that need a spot for Mania. Profits. Will be the Brawling Brutes. Mm, the Brawling Brutes. Yeah, I, you know, didn't think about them. Hadn't seen them on TV in a while. Yeah. But I also think that if they really wanted to mix things up, especially with WWE, they would make it a tag battle royale. Yeah, but I don't. Uh, sometimes though, I they think, may, may be overdoing it. I, I yeah, don't know. and and I think that there's a lot of tag teams that would just get thrown into that, and it would become like an Andre the Giant type of thing, and it would feel very forced. I feel like it would feel very forced. Um. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the the big title picture here? I, you know, I, I'm happy for Asuka, you know, getting that spot. I, I, I would still like to see Bianca go past Mania. I just I, – I think she's on that level as much as I like Asuka, and I think she's worthy. I, I'm, I concur with getting the opportunity. I like the darker version of her. I'm just all about what the EST is doing. Now, if you would have told me that, you know, a couple of years ago, that, that's why we got to be patient with these things, I would have told you – no, I just don't see it. I, I see the talent. I mean, she's got the tools, but she has definitely grown into that spot, and I can see why she's been pushed. I mean, that, that's respect to her and her work ethic. So as much as I like Oscar, I think it's going to be a great match, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But I, I think Belair, you know, Belair, part of me, has got to go over. And as far as Roman and Cody, I, I know everybody wants Cody to win, but I, I still would like to see Roman. I, I'm unpopular mm-hmm. with that opinion. I would still like to see him beat Cody. I don't know. I, I just I like kind of thinking outside the box there. I know everybody in it. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy for Cody, but I don't know that I want to see him win. I, I think and with Sammy, that situation's intriguing because you got the fans chanting during that promo on Raw, and you know you've heard different reports. You can't always read into them, but apparently the rumor is some some within WWE were kind of upset about that. But I, I don't know how much merit you could or stock you could mm-hmm. put into it. Cause it was Cody's moment supposed to be in, and you could hear Sammy, man, they were chanting Sammy. And so that's, that's why the triple threat ordeal could be possible. I, I mean, I, I get, you don't want to overbook him and maybe him and KO go after the tag titles, but I'd say, Hey, may, maybe you don't let them go after the Usos. You, you save Sammy and, and maybe you throw him in the mix. It, because mm-hmm. I think the reactions really dictate a lot for them. I mean, I, I think they've got their plan, no doubt, but it's it's all how the, the fans are kind of uh, 
they're, they're kind of picking, you know, not that they're going by what the fans are choosing, but you know what I mean? You, you're, but it feels, like the, so it feels much, almost you know? like Daniel Bryan. It feels almost uh-huh. like Daniel Bryan with the yes movement and true, you know, the B plus player and da, 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 yeah, da, da, da. It, it, it has that crowd behind him kind of feel to it for sure. For sure. Yeah, I kind of got um, the feeling that they tipped their hat. Yeah. Once they did the, the whole Kevin Owen refuses thing on Raw. Like, I feel like they tipped their hat that obviously that's the direction that they're going. Right. Yeah, um, Can well, we talk about the IC title? Well, I mean, the, the problem is the problem for me is that the IC title is not really in the cards for WrestleMania right now. And that's that's what I'm a little bit upset about, actually. Um, I think if there's going to be um, a chance to get Sheamus on the card, this is it. You know, have the rematch, man, because holy smokes. I'd be for it. So, totally there with you. Totally get it. Um, did you watch SmackDown this past week? No. I didn't get a chance to see it either. They finally let Madcap Moss look like a decent threat in the ring. Like it wasn't him just getting into the room and getting squashed and then oh poor him. Even Cornette when he did his review of the match he was like holy crap they might have something there. And I was sitting watching the match and like I'm a mad cat mouse guy but the more I watched his match I was like this dude is ultimate lawyer but with like actual like cardio <laughs> like wow what, what a comparison <laughs> like his heart's not going to explode at 55 and i hate to say something like that but like oh why would you ruin that he's oh my gosh oh mike went on. there didn't he <laughs> what the fudge but like Jeez. what the roku <laughs> if if you go and watch that match i'm telling you He's probably going to be the next, like, I'm not going to put him up there with, like, top Hall of Famers or anything like that. But if he keeps going the forward motion that he's going, he's got a good shot to be, like, you know, in the same spot that, like, Edge was in, like, the center part of his career. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, he's got For a lot sure. of potential. For sure. You know, um, I'm a little bit confused about the payoff from Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley from Elimination Chamber, um, with the with the low <laughs> blow, right? And and Bray Wyatt calling out the winner of the match before the match happened, and then almost calling out Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania. What the hell? What do they think they're gonna get out of a Brock Lesnar almost match at WrestleMania? I'm not sure. Okay. What are they thinking? So... This is Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez again. God damn it. Uh, please not. Please this, not. That's exactly what this is. All right. That's exactly so... what this is. <laughs> so the moment that I heard Bray like call out whoever the winner was, I'm like, congratulations on your win. You win this 20-ounce bottle of Mountain Dew. (laughs) I just hear like somebody from the crowd yelling at either Bobby Lashley or Brock Lesnar to drink the soda because God knows neither of them have had like soda in the past like 35 years. And then the first thing that comes to mind, there's this video, there's this clip of South Park where the guy's trying to tell everybody that gluten's okay. It's not anything to worry about. 
and then he takes the drink of gluten and then he starts like falling apart and i just imagine like either brock or like bobby drinking this soda for the first time having like real sugar for the first time in like forever and just like disintegrate on this oh my god please yeah let's not do that my goodness but that's that's what this feels like that this this feels like undertaker versus giant gonzalez oh it does and and the bray white stuff actually scares me in a bad way not not a good one i mean i i don't want to i don't know if i'm I'm just disinterested with bray man i hate to say but i love yeah now the rumor is that they're gonna do the wyatt six versus the hurt group with like Brock Lesnar tagging too. Oh, oh God. No. that's terrible. I would not that's put, terrible. Do that to Brock God, Lesnar. Why would you tell business. me that? I know. Lashley. Fuck that. No. No. Uh no. you broke Ted. Ted. No. Ted's gone. Now he's left. He's exited the building. Now the reason why I wish that they would do like a tag team battle royale is because low-key i would mark out if they brought back the minnesota stretchers and they like next you know it's like all of a sudden you hear like brock lesnar's theme go off he comes out and they're like who's his partner and then all of a sudden you hear ain't nobody stopping me now sean benjamin i got you obw days you're you're thinking even prior to the main roster in your dreams in your dreams. Oh, man, I had to legitimately walk away when you said that to me. That is an awful idea, and I hope that it burns in hell. Um, we're going to th- stop talking about that. Yes, I heard what you said about that, and I said in your dreams. Um, They're actually talking about doing it. Oh, God, shoot me. Um, no, I'm please. saying they're talking about Brock and Benjamin. Uh, listen, shoot me. Shoot me because while they're both great workers, I have zero interest in seeing that again. Um, Seth Rollins, Logan Paul looks like it'll be a lock, especially after rest, uh, after uh, Elimination Chamber. I think it's going to be entertaining as hell. Where a year ago, you Logan Paul ACL on the line, <laughs> ACL on the line. What a step, yeah, between the yeah. two of them, man, between the two of them for sure. Uh, I think it'll be fun, I, and I think that'll be your spot match of the of the weekend, and it'll be great. Um, so I'm super excited for that, actually, which I didn't think I would ever say anything about Logan Paul and me being super excited, but I am. Um, so I I think that we have a we have a a fun month of wrestling ahead of us, guys. I mean, we've got Revolution, uh, which looks to be a stacked card, and WrestleMania starting to take some shape. I think things look great for us. Um, we are unfortunately you're listening to rewind wrestling radio now that's not just the coolest and that's not just the best rewind wrestling radio now that my friends is just incredible check them out hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to a brand new episode of tyler and mike's insights presented to you by the rewind wrestling radio podcast and i'm joined by my co-host tag team partner cousin mike buyer mike how are you Look at him. He's ready. He's poised. He, he's got his game face on. Somebody better watch out. Ah, ah. It's not like I got like 2,000 steps in today or 20,000. I mean, either. I, I'm lucky if I get 10 in. I, I need to do better. No, I was outside today. No, I, I, I believe you. Yeah. Now, I, I thought you were kind of teasing, but now you're telling me you were. So I feel terrible. 
here I was trying to be a comedian and you got me. Yeah, I mean, I say, your psychology has is, is got me all mixed up. Yeah. A rare 70 degree weather day in the middle of winter. I know. It, it, hey, it's similar weather here in Tennessee. So it's good to see in Pennsylvania and all over America. Apparently, there's going to be blizzards in LA. So who would have thunk it? I mean, my goodness. So what's worse in wrestling than having something not go the way you want it? Yeah, it makes you feel bad. I mean, if we could rewrite history and uh, have it done the way we wanted it, like you're uh, conveying there, uh, it would be nice. But hindsight's twenty twenty, like they say. So who knows what would actually happen, what could have stopped any kind of progress. And we're, what we're discussing, Mike, and, and you can enlighten everybody, is if we had the books, meaning we, if we could fantasy book our favorite wrestling angles, change anything to the matches i mean it all correlates so why don't you educate us about that you pick the topic so basically what i'm ba i'm basically homebrewing what i would have done instead of what actually happened sure so i'll throw the scenario out to you of what happened okay and I'll give you my take on what should have happened. I'm looking forward to it. So there was a time period, unfortunately, where Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, uh, was told that he could never wrestle again. He was just medically not cleared. And for a good while, like, they didn't know what they were doing with him. They made him, like, a general manager role, like, different stuff like that. Yeah, I remember. And then they did this uh, show called Talking Smack. And they had this promo between him and The Miz. And it really revived Miz's career. I know the one you're talking about. It was epic. And then moving forward, they had a feud between Miz and Shane McMahon. And at the time, the world title picture was I don't know if it was Roman versus Triple H for the main, main event of Mania that year. Was it 2015 or 16? Because remember it was in Dallas the first time and I think it was Reigns and Triple H for one of the belts. Okay. So you're on to something. It's in that timeline. So they already knew what they wanted to do with the main title. But they also had a secondary world heavyweight title because, you know, you have the Universal Championship, which means that it's like, you know, the champion of the universe. When you have the World Heavyweight right. Championship, it's world champion, I guess. And I don't really think that they they had anything really planned out. This must have been the year before Kofi, Kofi Mania. In fact, I know it was because Brian wasn't cleared. Yeah, and uh, did you get to go? I, I know Ted and Will did. Were you able to go? Okay, I couldn't recall. That that made me think about it because they got to experience uh, Kofi Mania, you know, him defeating Daniel Brown. But carry on. That's what made me think about. So, uh, yeah. They did this long, big-winded feud where, like, Shane won, like, Wrestler of the Year or whatever, and – it just it got to this point where like they had like this big blow off between Miz and Shane, and I thought 
what would have been really cool and probably would have elevated the title was instead of doing what they did at the time with the world title and you know not having a real well thought out world title match why not find a way to get the belt onto Shane McMahon and that would have been interesting. Yeah, Shane McMahon is the—he's already the greatest wrestler. Why not make him the world champion? And I mean exactly. that in all sincerity, because that—that's the what they were booking. And you could have the payoff be, you know, Miz gets the world title off of Shane because at this point Miz was white hot. Yeah, he was over. I mean, you can say what you want to. He's got his detractors like anybody else, but the Miz. Talk about a guy that knows how to get a reaction and knows his character. And it's funny because, like, around the same time, like, all this was happening, they brought back Johnny Drip Drip about, like, a year later after they didn't do anything with Miz. They didn't, they didn't take advantage of anything to do with him being really hot at the time. It's a shame. It, was, it felt like a missed and, opportunity. And I think it hurt the character more than it helped him. In fact, when they brought Johnny Nitro back, I really, I had really had hopes that like we would get a feud between the two of them. It would have been nice. And then they teased that even, or maybe I'm just uh, daydreaming. They they had the whole fight over the dripstick stuff. Yeah, the music videos. I can recall and it, the way you're, uh, you know, relaying all this information. It, it's starting to, uh, you know, my memory's coming back. Forgive me. Uh, I've got memory loss. So, at the same time that they brought this guy back, Brian Danielson got cleared to wrestle again. And again, it just, it was like a glaring, obvious thing that like, they just never paid off the feud. And I thought, what, what a great way to pay off the feud would have been something like, you know, Miz wins the world title off of Shane. And you don't have to have Shane have a long run. You can have him have no, like just, a one month long. Just long enough for uh, everybody to, whether they enjoy it or not, at least, you know, give Mick, you know, speaking of Shane McMahon, his, his due. Yeah. So my whole idea was, you know, you have Shane get the title. Miz goes over Shane at, at Mania. And then you could either at SummerSlam or the next Mania have Brian Danielson go over Miz. You could have them have that big, long, drawn-out feud that everybody really wants to see. And... You know, they just, they never, ever, ever capitalized on it. Didn't Danielson the, even comment? I, I don't mean to cut you off, but speaking of that segment, didn't he comment? He didn't actually like Miz, but he, he respected him. At, and to think yeah. about how that segment, you're so correct, how it would have had a, so, a launching pad. So the, segment, the segment basically came, um, Miz, Daniel Bryan, or at the time, made a comment about Miz's uh, work style. 
And Miz went off and basically said, like, you know, you're sitting here retired because of all your concussions because you were reckless with your body, where I'm working to protect myself and have a long length career. And he had so much passion in it and everything like that. It was such an old school wrestling like it made you buy in. I think that's the difference. It made us believe, suspend disbelief. And knowing there were some issues there that helped. And they just they just didn't pay it off at all. And you know, it it kind of draws comparisons now with like the whole Roman Reigns uh Sami Zayn thing going on. Very true. And a lot of people are, you know, really skeptical about what's going to go on in Mania and everything like that. And when we did that big discussion at the Rumble, and I basically said, like, it's okay to mourn unanswered, like, wrestling programs. Like, it's, it's okay to be down that certain things didn't go certain ways that you wanted it. But at the same time, you also have to acknowledge that there are other people that are in the industry that are in spots that they deserve to be in. Yeah, I think that's true with anything, and I, I'm I'm glad you brought that to our attention. And I don't I don't think anybody. And this isn't a knock against Sami Zayn. I think Sami Zayn's a, a great, fantastic. Oh, he's wrestler. terrific! Yeah, what a performer. Um, I don't think anybody expected him to be in the spot that he was in. This is. The closest that I've seen something like this, besides the promo with Miz and Daniel Bryan, sure. The last time I've seen something like this is when Sandow got over. Oh, that was classic. Yeah, when Sandow was with Miz, wasn't he? They they had that alliance, and it was getting over. People were were red hot over it because he would. What was it? He was the bodyguard. Explain that to everybody, because I'm having to uh, remember. Sun double, that's it. That's even better. Yeah, because knowing those guys, how they get into their characters, and we're seeing it in NWA now. Now, I haven't got the opportunity to view as much as the NWA as I would like to, but he's doing impeccable there. I mean, he's just adding another extension of his character with the National Wrestling Alliance, so good for him. So basically, what I would have changed is – I would have had Miz going over Shane McMahon for the World Heavyweight title. And then I'd have the following year Daniel Bryan going over Miz for the World Heavyweight title. And I feel like it would have been a big explosive payoff and everything like that. Um, Daniel Bryan wouldn't have had to go heel like he did. Just kept him babyface. Yeah. No, I, I like that logic. I mean, it, it it's makes sense, and that that's always a good thing when you're you're trying to uh, book, and especially doing doing it fantasy style. So yeah, you, you brought up a lot of uh, just incredible points, and it it just kind of shows when people outside of the industry are booking versus guys in the industry are booking. Um, a lot of people want to give flack to Triple H for certain things not going the way that they want them to go, not realizing that Triple H isn't the one that's writing these matches. Yeah, like, it's, a, and, it's a team effort. It's collaborative. It's effort. not only individual. He may have say of who's going to be world heavyweight champion, 
but other than that, all the undercard stuff like that, like for the most part, he's letting everybody else that's working on the creative team come up with this stuff. And you can tell like the quality of matches has just gone up. This is the third or fourth pay-per-view in a row where like I've watched it and not fallen asleep while watching it. I think uh, quality work rate, all of those intangibles that you're speaking about, you can tell with his, uh, his agents or producers, what have you, what you term uh, the various men and women that are on his team. I mean, you can tell it's uh, the, the, they're putting in the work and so are the, uh, the wrestlers themselves and it's showing it's paying off. So I did my spiel. I gave my thoughts. What is a scenario that you would have liked to change? Well, I'm, I'm going back and I know you're going to laugh already because it involves Bret Hart surprise, but I, I couldn't help it. Uh, I would have kept Bret Hart winning the championship against Yokozuna back at WrestleMania nine. That was always kind of a weird deal where Hogan came back and I actually was a Hogan fan back in the day. I, I mean, I, I have nothing against him. That whole uh, politic in her backstage kind of creative, or you, you always hear various narratives. I'm just going to go with what I would have done, at least maybe even just tweaking it. I would have had like Gorilla Monsoon be a commissioner earlier on because you're already seeing JR come into that role, Jim Ross with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. And I think Bobby Heenan, yeah, he was doing commentary. But I would have had him. Uh, instruct Hogan that, hey, you're competing for the WWF tag titles against Money Inc. I kind of kept the, the results of matches as they were, but did a little bit of alterations. And I would have just let Hogan know up front that, hey, Yokozuna won the Royal Rumble that year. Uh, Brett defeated Razor Ramon to uh, retain his title. So have Hogan disobey Monsoon's orders and interfere, but Brett still comes out the winner but make it still a competitive, nice match without all the too much interference. But have Hogan, imagine if he didn't go to WCW. This is what I was thinking of, Mike. Yeah, go ahead. You want, you froze for like a good, like, minute. Oh, I did. Okay, where was I so, at? Restart. Yeah, restart. Okay. That, that was odd. So, so I gave my spiel about what I wanted to change. What's yours? What's your idea, Tyler? I would go back. I would keep Bret Hart. Uh, I would keep the WWF championship on him at WrestleMania 9, him defeating Yokozuna. I would have Commissioner Gorilla Monsoon. I wouldn't have him doing commentary. I would have him instruct Hogan that, hey, you're already competing with Brutus Beefcake against Money, Inc. Uh, for the WWF Tag Team Championships. And I would keep Bret looking strong. You know, because Brett defeated Razor Ramon. You had uh, Yoko win the Royal Rumble that uh, respective year. But I would have Hogan disobey Monsoon's orders and still interfere, but keep the match competitive where it doesn't overshadow anything. And I would still have Brett go over. Okay. Here's how I'm, I'm explaining it. If Imagine a scenario, since we're fantasy booking, if Hulk Hogan did not go to WCW. What if he stayed a little longer? I would... I think take advantage of uh, since the red and yellow was going stale during this period of time and Vince wanted to go with some other people, but Hogan had always been that stalwart. I would have Holster go heel a little bit here, maybe not full on, but interfere because he had a problem with Monsoon and the company kind of sticking it to him. He had been away. He competed in that match previously earlier that night. And I would have him actually assisting Yokozuna to win the match, but his plan backfires and Hart would kick out of a pinfall 
out of Yoko's finisher, and the hitman would lock in the sharpshooter on Yokozuna, and you still had Mr. Fuji to contend with, but he would hand Hulk Hogan some of his powder. But get this, Macho Man Randy Savage is on commentary, and we know their issues. And I would play it out in this storyline. I'd have Savage get up in a surprise moment and actually take the powder and throw it in Hogan's eyes, blinding him, so Brett's still able to win the match. And you could set up a scenario where the mega powers are feuding again, because you, you got to think about the time period. It's still kind of early to mid-90s. Gotcha. It's not quite attitude era. So I, I would like to change that. I have no problems against Hogan or Brett. I'm not going to get in the middle of it. I just was trying to figure out a way you could keep Brett with the title because eventually Hogan would move on for world championship wrestling. But I was thinking, what if he stayed a little longer? I mean, hell, maybe just so, even tweaking it. So then does, in your version of events, does Yokozuna still pick up the title at all? He does later on. I, I just think you got to keep it on Brad right after Mania. I, I think you do eventually get let Yoko get it because I, I love Yokozuna. He's a great monster heel. I just, I guess I'm going by. There was a lot of controversy the way Hogan came in, and no, no, Brad, I got you. so I was kind of look trying to look at it from that angle too. But I, I, I'd love to get it's your a perspective. Page. So, you know what? Why don't we play with that a little bit? Okay. Um. So you have. Brett retaining the title and it doesn't necessarily have to be the sharpshooter. Cause I think one of the biggest issues between Brett and Yoko was the fact that he had a hard time getting him into the well, see, And that's true. That's a point I didn't take into account. It would be tough to get those big legs hooked in. Yeah. But my question is like, when do you, have Brett drop the title to Yoko because at the time there wasn't really anybody else on the card that no this this was a downtime for the WWF I mean because yeah. that, that's what I was thinking it was kind of thin even though you had some and guys my secondary question is do you change the finish for SummerSlam does Luger go yeah, over Luger See, I don't know that I would have done the Luger thing just yet. I think that, that this would have altered that. I think you could still have him involved, but not in this capacity, because I think you could fix that. If you had, even if, say, have Yoko beat Brett at SummerSlam, just have Brett go over at Mania. That way you can build more and have, like, Yoko get heat on him and build the program, keep just building it up to where it's going to mean something for SummerSlam. So... Does Luger win the world title in your universe at all? I think I may give him a shot later, and it's nothing against Luger personally. I just yeah, think the, the just, way SummerSlam went, I, this would change a lot of it. Yeah. So it's an interesting take because it opens up a lot of cans of worms. See, and that's the thing. That, that's what I enjoyed about because I, I knew it, you know this would be an interesting conversation to have. It pushes – it pushes elevations for certain guys back mm -hmm. timeline wise. So like, you know, it, it's going to sound really devious, but by you doing what you're doing, if it played out, not saying that it wouldn't come off like great or anything like that, mm -hmm. but your events 
could possibly lead to Crockett Promotions overtaking WWE. Yeah, I could not. actually help Crockett. That, that was my master plan. <laughs> I'm just teasing, but yeah. No, I'm I, just saying. Like, no, I, I think it's good. I, I was just having a little fun, but no, that's very true. It, in retrospective, they could. The timelines, it would push... It would push Stone Cold into 98 instead of 97. Yeah, it would make him farther. The Rock would be 99 instead of 98. So we wouldn't see that Monday Night Wars period. I mean, Nitro would be affected. You wouldn't have that. I mean, I've changed a lot of things, I guess. So. (sighs) I've just, I've messed up things, but I was trying to look at it differently. How could you change it? Because it is fantasy. You're, You're kind of looking at it. From that Who would be your surprise top guy? My surprise top guy. See, I, I I wanted to look at the roster because that's the thing. You're, you're right. It was so much of the depth was kind of thinning. I'll tell you a guy that he didn't have to be the top guy, but I, I, I felt he could be because he was in that Bret Hart. I think Mr. Perfect. I've always been. I, I think eventually, even if uh, I got Luger involved, if you could find a way to get Mr. Perfect plugged in even later down the road, I would be for that. I because I, I was trying to think of all the people. So the only problem with that is that you would have to work things out even further back. Yeah. Because Perfect did his Lloyd's of London contract. Oh, that's true. See, and a lot of this I didn't take into account. You can tell. I I, I kind of focused on that one and match. Like, it's it's a really cool thing to think about because like it, i mean it's neat but you're right he did have that policy so that would have taken him out yeah so i'm trying to think of who else because i know there's michaels there but see that that would have maybe i tell you what you could change the main event for the the one mania yeah you could you could you actually could. have brett and and yeah or michaels involved somehow maybe even with a different dance partner because there was a there was a very small out of left field chance that Razor was going to get his world title run. Mm. And see, Razor, I mentioned how Brad and him had that program. You could get him plugged back in. And the only reason why it didn't happen was because he did not want to work with Goldust. I do remember. That's why Popper got Goldust at that WrestleMania, because, you know, then he, you know, he went to WCW. There was a big big groundswell at one point they were really considering putting the world title on gold dust mm-hmm. and they were going to have razor take it off of them and they wanted to do that big hollywood match at mania and i could understand why razor didn't want to do it he didn't do it out of bigotry or anything like that he just he probably thought it was silly it, it was one of those things where like he, his kid was too young for him to have that conversation about why Goldust mm-hmm. was acting the way that he was acting, character-wise. No, I understand where he was coming from. And I could totally understand that. Because that is an awkward conversation to have, especially in that era. Yeah, it was a different time. That's what we have to remember. But yeah, that's my first spill. But yeah, we could dissect it. A lot of moving parts there, because to be honest... I uh, see this is fun because like oh it is it makes you think it really idea, does like I had it concrete out and everything like that 
like man such a butterfly effect if you were to do what you wanted to do yeah it would have modified a lot of things i mean we, I, I probably would have ruined a lot of moments actually but i may have helped the territory one territory kind of at least have a shot i don't know i mean it, no matter what, I still think The Rock was going to end up being The Rock. I still think Stone Cold was oh, going to yeah, end up being Stone Cold. They would have been, and Brad and Sean still would have been stars. I, I don't think it would have had that, just, that much effect. Maybe Jake Roberts wouldn't have been in the final against Stone Cold, so we might not have gotten the Austin 316. Mm, see, yeah, and that, that's something I would have regretted. Because, uh, you know, Jake was said that's i think they were trying to let him in creative but unfortunately his demons because jake did have a mind i mean his psychology was always the promos and the ddt the way he could build up the match to it so hey i mean we could go through it but we got other you know other scenarios do you want to go through your second one now that we cover the first one because it we'd be here all yeah. night it'd be fun but we wouldn't get any sleep um let's see What's another one that I would change? Um, I got to think really hard on this. No, take your time. To be honest, you, you did a better job at kind of planning the booking. I kind of went at it from what storylines were happening and just tweaking it. Uh, you know, as far as my other ones I have. Mm. Now take your time. It's uh right. it's difficult. Yeah. Oh, you got it. Now here's an off the wall one. Let's hear it. I'm 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 looking forward to it. And this is just intuition because this is a this is a wrestler that everybody says has a ton of potential. Hasn't been used the right way. Um, was made into kind of a jobber for a while. But I would have had Heath Slater when he was doing the I Got Kids thing. Yes. I mean, he, he is so talented. I, I like Heath Slater. I would have had him accidentally winning the Rumble that year. Yeah, talk about surprise and a good one because nobody would expect it. Or not accidentally, but like, remember when they did that, the IC title battle royale thing and here it turned out that uh, Dolph Ziggler was there the entire time and mm -hmm. put the eye out at the end. Kind of uh, like I do remember. Where like, everybody forgets that Heath Slater was never eliminated from the Rumble and he runs in and he knocks out whoever. Yeah, you, you could create a way that he he's never eliminated. No, I like where you're going with it. Um, with that, I think that if they did the underdog thing right with him, um, it could have been a nice kind of like Dusty Rhodes finish. Um, I always felt like he was a really good wrestler. That uh, everyone always expected him to have kind of like an edge like career and break out, and it just never happened. Didn't think of the comparison, but uh, but that's a good one. And, well, I even enjoyed where he was the one-man band. I mean, that was the comedy stick stuff where you see Sid and Vader, and he, he would, you know, bump for him, and, and that was cool. But, unfortunately, he deserved more because even though I, I was marking out when I saw Vader or heard the music or Sid, Psycho Sid, that yeah. was kind of neat because <laughs> he would be calling out legends then. And, and you know, not a stick, but come on. He, he did deserve more opportunities.
And like, I know my first one was more detailed, but like, I thought it was great. I'm, I'm I appreciate I, the detail. I, I don't know who I would have him go over. That's where it gets and, tricky. And the other thing is, is like, do you build off of it? Because like that was one of the issues that I had with Kofi's run. A lot of people loved it and thought that he deserved it and everything like that. But like the thing that I couldn't stand was like all of a sudden he was beating guys that he was getting crushed by. Yeah, just miraculously. It was like that's that's where it didn't correlate. Suddenly Randy Orton's a good dude and decides to take a pin. And like same thing with Big E. Like everybody it makes was really sense. Yeah, because Orton's that villain. Everybody was happy when Big E won, and like for me, there's certain guys that are the destination guys. Like they're the guys that get there, correct, and then they get the win, and that's the peak. And then there's other guys that I see that have like long, lengthy runs, and they have multiple runs after that. So yeah, they're, like, they're everlasting. Like you got like a guy like Jinder Mahal who wins it for six months. But then you've got guys that, you know, you can tell are going to be like the next guy. Like when I woke up the one morning and found out the edge won the world title, I was like, holy crap. That's There's awesome. something special. He's He's got an yeah. aura. And, and we're seeing it today with this. And then he lost one. it seven days later. And then I was like, ah, crap. I hope he wins it again. And then he did. And I was like, cool. Like he ascended to the top of the card. Yeah, as long as it doesn't seem like they're getting buried, or maybe that's the illusion of booking sometimes. I, I know we can read too much into it. That's the the main takeaway. As long yeah. as they, they're able to build up again and be so, main event caliber champion. I feel like it would have been like a nice pop. You know, <laughs> they had a real shot to make him in the Dusty Rhodes, is what I'm getting at. Hey, and they're Dusty Rhodes, if if you could be on that level in that league, you're doing something uh, very good because, hey, and he was Dusty Rhodes. Sami Zayn's in that spot now where, like, if he gets to win great and everything like that, do I think he'll have a long, lengthy run? That could go about two months. That's about as much as I want to see him as world champ. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think maybe he doesn't get the long run like we all think or or hope. And stuff. You there, Mike? Okay. Yeah, it froze on me or something. So I, I don't know if the, I hope that audio kept. That's what I'm worried about because it, it kind of did the meeting but we'll uh we'll go back and start with like the i'll, I'll just answer my second spill we can you can continue finish yeah. so yeah so, it's, it's still recording how about you how about your second choice well this is uh, i'm going to nwa with this one back in crockett speaking of jump crockett promotion starcade 85 the gathering you know there there was a lot of fantastic hall of fame worthy tag teams i put a triple threat match for the NWA tag titles that featured the rock and roll express versus the Andersons back when it was only an Arn, the Minnesota wrecking crew versus the midnight express. That would have been Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry. Of course, with James E. Cornette, good old Jim Cornette, that is. And uh, 
I kind of set this up similar to what we saw later on between the Midnight and Tully and Arn feuding with, you know, Cornette instigating it and also the horsemen themselves. And Arn had to stand up for all the uh, the insults by Cornette because Cornette would keep saying Ole is over the hill, you know, make fun of his age, even though he could still work and go in the ring. And I know it's two hill teams, but this is where the baby faces come in. You've got the Rock and Roll Express they're not automatically figured in until after the match, the Andersons retaliate against the Midnight Express and they then attack the Rock and Roll Express. That, that gets the issues building. So we set up this match. I mean, it just builds over television time. There, there's ways you can pick at it. but And then uh, this is what builds the match. And, and of course, it's going to be a barn burner, like JR would say. Rock and Roll were the champions, and realistically, they were during this time period. But it would be the midnight that would go over. And uh, I really didn't have time to even think of the finish. I was just thinking more of who was going to win the match. But I would be thinking, you know what, even though Arn and Ole would have been great champions and I think did hold the titles, why not kind of go with the midnight and maybe start the rock and roll and some other teams too? Because you also had Wahoo McDaniel involved with the team, the Russians. I mean, I easily could have put the Russians in one slot. I mean, there were. Crockett was stacked. They had some solid, good working teams. I tell you what, you know, it's one of the, uh, there's this really uh, messed up video that started posting recently. Um, it was the Beverly Brothers. Oh, I remember. Yeah. The Beverly's. Their finisher. Oh, it was rough. I mean, they were, they were stiff. I mean, I felt bad for the opponents. And, like, the more I think about the scenario that you're throwing out, I'm just like, ah, there were so many tag teams from that era. But my, you know what would be a I'll, – I'll segue with yours. Yours was a good one. Okay. But I counter you this. Imagine the Rock and Roll Express versus the Rockers. Ooh, I, I wouldn't want to see it. That, that's the fantasy match. Talking about fantasy booking, that's the especially, one. Especially in the, like, you know, right in like 87, 88 when they're both. What if Rock and Roll jumped? Maybe from Crockett or the Rockers came to Crockett. Yeah. No, I, I like uh, where you're going because the Rockers were, you know, it's, Cornette's even said this. He was adamant that. Neither Ricky nor Robert liked that uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty were doing that gimmick because it was similar. Everybody was saying, oh, it's a new Rock and Roll Express. And I mean, they were talented. I was a fan of the Rockers, but there, there's no denying people were going to compare the two because the, the hairstyle, the, the way they were, they were exciting. They were an evolving team that wasn't always, you know, let's just work on a body part, which I appreciated. That, that's good working teams and they could work but it was more drop kicks. You saw more athleticism. It was just different considering it was the eighties, you know, everything was kind yeah. of changing. It was a faster pace. And it's funny too, because like, I don't think the rockers ever won the world tag team title in WWE. Yeah. And that's amazing. It's hard to believe they've never won the tag titles. It's like the same thing with, uh, Oh God, what's their name? The, uh, Bushwhackers. Bushwhackers never won it either. No, they didn't. And you know, they back when they were the sheep herders, they were so much more aggressive, but of course, the way Vince was programming TV, it's not a knock on him. It's just family oriented. So it was more, they were doing more of the comedy stick then. They were still very talented and over, but it was more, yeah, in licking people's heads and getting germs on everybody. 
I mean, it, they were they were hilarious. Yeah, you're doing a great impersonation for those watching the video. Need to check out Mike <laughs> impersonating the uh, the Bushwhackers. Love those teams though. So yeah, I guess we need to go to our uh, our third one. I mean, what? All right. So my third would be I would have Shane Douglas cash in his U.S. heavyweight title using the old rule to put himself in the world title picture. And I would have him go over for the world title. Fascinating. And if I could book him in a feud, I would have him go up against Bret Hart. I would have WCW allow him to be the super over-the-top bastard version of the character from ECW, especially since near the end they were letting them use weapons and matches anyway. Why not? I mean, fit into that hardcore, more extreme style. And to see so, Brett have to adapt to that. It, it would be great to just have the franchise cutting promos with Bret Hart because I feel like he had the potential to not be as good as Stone Cold in terms of like workability, but in terms of like promos, I could see some evil stuff being said. Yeah, back the sky's the limit. He he could cross lines with Brett and if Brett could bring out more of that before the attitude era, kind of the precursor to it when he was doing the promos on Vince and Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels, that would be good. But, I mean, Shane Douglas, it's hard to compare to his verbal skills. When he's on, when he's thinking straight, and not that he wasn't before, but when he's focused, let me put it that way, and back up, he's he's tough to beat. So that would have been my third segment. How about you? My third segment, uh, I'll be interested to get your thoughts on this, Mike. After being the Intercontinental Champion, Ricky Steamboat, and Ted will enjoy this one, our illustrious host of the Rewind Wrestling Radio Podcast and Network overall. What if uh, Ricky Steamboat, even though he had lost the IC title to Macho Man after WrestleMania three, I don't know how you would book it. It's kind of tough when you think about it, but he was in a program with Rick Rude. Uh, let me just fast forward. What if Ricky Steamboat didn't leave for the NWA early WCW, and he waited until Ric Flair joined in 1992 with a big gold belt. What if they could do a trilogy where it would be Steamboat? He would have to work himself back up to the main event card because he just lost the IC title. Let's just put Rick Rude in that position. It, coming off the Savage Feud and then after losing to Rude, the ravishing one. What if uh, Steamboat was able to challenge Flair for both the big gold belt in one situation? If they could legally possibly do it, because Flair had it, I know heard there was a lot of litigation, and we we've heard all so, different sides. Yeah. So are you saying that it's the big gold belt, not the WWE title? It's on WWE TV. Now, are you proposing that they have a book that Snook is going to win, but then after Snooker wins, you mean Steamboat? Or Steamboat, when Steamboat wins, does he jump to WCW with the title to solve the legal issues? You know, that that could work. I didn't think of it, but that would be a, another possible factor. Or if not, the big gold belt still have Steamboat. He could stay, but challenge for the WWF, uh, the WWF title. Pardon me. I was trying to say it too quick there. 
Uh, let me correct myself. So yeah, there could be different ways. I, I like how you put it. If, you know, maybe they could fix things. If he was challenging for the WCW title, what if Steamboat did take it to WCW? You could have a, a jump from uh, McMahon back to where Steamboat became famous. I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because what if instead of Flair, I'll go ahead. It, it would be interesting. It would now, be. One of the reasons why Steamboat wasn't in the title picture at that time frame was because, and it's not a knock against the guy, but he was putting family first. Yeah, he, he was definitely a family man, and that, that's commendable. So that's what cost him the IC title. Um, he basically was given an ultimatum by his wife or from what I gather, and basically needed time off. And Vince was like, we just put the belt on him. Yeah, so they, they were needing him to, to work more dates. It just big shows. It just happened to be that Honky Tonk Man was in the locker room at the same time. He's like, hey, I'll work with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how we got the Honky Tonk Man uh, becoming Intercontinental Champion. And I also looked at the scenario, forget even the big gold belt, if, if he were to stay while Flair was there, you could have like the trilogy that you would have had it with the NWA, with WWE, I mean, let, as they're known currently. And what if you did a, a program where it was WrestleMania 8 instead of Savage, even though that was a great match? I know Miss Elizabeth, you had Mr. Perfect involved. Uh, that was a tremendous matchup in Heenan. What if you had uh, Flair and Steamboat at WrestleMania 8 instead, if that was the way it worked out, and then do SummerSlam? Because they didn't have as many pay-per-views back then. You kind of build it and have it in Survivor Series could be the rubber match. I, I don't know how yeah. you would go with the finishes. What would you do with like finishes? Because you you, do, you want to even it up, but you don't want to make it too screwy. So it would just be a standard two and one. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think honest, you need to get overthink it. I, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, just make it standard clean. Standard clean two and one. Mm-hmm. Uh I think that Steamboat goes over in Mania. Mm-hmm. Flair goes over in SummerSlam. It evens it up. And then Flair goes over again. The Survivor Series or whatever the next big one. I yeah. was just thinking maybe Survivor Series is where it could be the rubber match. And and the only reason being is that I just don't think that knowing that he was a family guy, that Steamboat would ever be able to put himself in the position where he'd have a lengthy world title ring. Yeah, that, that's some things that would have factored in. That, that's why it's so interesting to think what could have been knowing Flair would come in and at the end of 91, 92 – I was trying to look at the timelines and Steamboat was was actually leaving in 89. And that's that's when him and Flair had their famous matches because they, they had some great matches before in, in Croc and NWA. And then, of course, it was Steamboat who first left for uh, the WWE. And, of course, uh, you always hear maybe it was because Dusty, because he was coming in as the booker that he was using a lot of his people. Who knows? You hear a lot of different various perspectives. So it, it's all intriguing. 
the the what ifs. I mean, what would have happened if this went one way or another? So that's just my third one. I, I don't know. I, I was interested to get your take because I was I was thinking about that when Flair brought the big gold belt. Yeah. Him and Jim Hurt. It was the Spartacus deal where he he was making him cut his hair. Or it was yeah, and like a lot of the weird the gimmicks. Thing, the other thing too is like. On paper, it would be a really great match. Mm-hmm. And it would be a really great set of matches. But I don't think the WWE viewers were ready for the like NWA style like work matches. That, that may be the problem because the audience and, is conditioned to their style. And I don't think that uh, it's a knock against them or anything like that. But like, I'm one of the few people on the planet that thought that like Randy Savage was just boring in the ring, like absolutely boring. Well, and I, I respect people's take because uh, not, not, you know, part of me, I, I'm getting excited here, but a lot but, of people that you think are your favorites may not be a favorite to somebody else. That, that's what makes these opinions, though, yeah, so uh, fascinating. I'll go back to that word. Though, I would say would be a great, great, great pick, but. Like I said, but due to the family situation, yeah, that may have uh, stopped things, and and it would have been good for Flair to work with Savage, and then eventually get the Hogan matches. But I think that's the one thing they were never able to get that on pay per view. They they had house shows, but I think that's another opportunity where WCW was able to do it back when Flair came back and Hogan had left to go, and eventually made the deal with Turner, and they headed it what Bash at the Beach was it ninety yeah. four. Uh, was it? I'm trying to re- remember the year that they had it because Shaq was there, Jimmy Hart. It, it was the thing was is that that I think, and I've heard Cornette say this, and I'm not always agreeing with Jim Cornette, but he he makes a lot of sense. That you know the problem was and is that when Turner bought it, it got away from the NWA style and Crockett to where it was not just your regional promotion. They they were they nothing wrong with trying to go national, but the thing of of it was part of me is that it, they were copying at least some of the administration was trying to instead of find an alternative was copying what Vince was doing and then that kind of took away the tradition of the National Wrestling Alliance what Crockett you look at you know other territories too not just Crockett but anybody affiliated or that was different yeah. than and on top of that too like you had a lot of guys that were just uh NWA did a lot of covering up for a lot of guys' flaws. Oh, they did. I mean, they're, they're like any promotion. I mean, hey, he's one of my fa- – he was a favorite at least growing up, and I still got a lot of respect for him. But now it's amazing when you look at it through adult lenses. He's not the greatest wrestler. He just – some people just have the energy, the look, the charisma. I mean, Sting's a perfect example. If it wasn't for Flair and a lot of the good workers making him look – you know, a million times better. I mean, even Sting's admitted he he knew he was not the greatest wrestler in the world. He wasn't technical, but he you know, as long as he could do his thing, then it worked. You know, it depended on the dance partner because you know, not, nothing against Luger. Luger and Flair had a pretty decent run, but that that's largely due to Flair able to make people whether you like Flair or not. He was a the guy they trusted, especially with this young talent that was that they were pushing as stars. He was the guy to. I mean, no different than what the role that Brett would be doing. 
you know, him and Sean, if they needed to get even veterans back over, those guys, they relied if, on them. Yeah. If I could tweak that. Uh-huh. Um Steamboat Owen Hart for the mm. IC title. I like that. And see, Owen Hart, to me, as much as I, I love Brad, and I may have said this in a previous episode, I always thought Owen was just as good, if not better, in some ways. He was the better worker. Yeah, and I know good. that's going to come off, because as much as I've got the Bret Hart shirt, I, w- I would also like to have an Owen shirt, because I love all the hearts, and they're all great. But Owen, to me, was on another level in different ways, because they, they each brought a, a unique presentation and style. That's why their match at WrestleMania 10, when it when you didn't have the depth, like you're talking about, that's what made it kind of special. It stood out because it's like, and of course, Razor and Sean having the ladder match. Those two matches were saving the company. I mean, well, at least Mania. I don't want to get, get over dramatic, but that big show. So that's all it is. I mean, we could talk forever and we're not meaning to go long, but it just brings up a lot of fascinating uh, kind of fantasies. You know, of yeah. where you could go directions. It, it, yeah, I mean, what if Owen Hart and Steamboat could have had the matches? They would have, I would have loved to have seen that, just like with Shane Douglas or Bret Hart. And we we mentioned it. So, uh, hey, if there's anything else, Mike, or that you want to add? All right, guys, let us know what you guys think. Sounds good. Uh, tell us some of your fantasy bookings. We're out of time at this point. So I want to say thank you to our viewers and listeners. Uh, I do want to take a, uh, take a moment to once again say uh, that we're thinking and praying of our, uh, the rest of our team that has a lot of personal stuff going on right now. And uh, we are looking forward to having the full team back together right around WrestleMania time. And uh, my friends, thank you so much for watching and for listening. And uh, please remember to smash that subscribe button uh, and share the content, share the content, share the content. We will catch you guys next time here on rewind wrestling radio.